Hello, welcome to the Deadly Analysis podcast. Uh, Noah is off this week, so uh, we will be, uh, I will be hosting this evening. Um, we will be talking about the Netflix original film, um, Cam. This is written by an actual Cam model, um, Isa Mazay and Daniel Goldhaber. Uh, it was released in 2018, and it is, tells the story of Alice, who is an ambitious cam model, who wakes up one day to discover that she has been replaced on her show by an exact replica of herself. So the rest of the film sort of deals with her relationships with her family um, and deals with her relationships with the men who visit her room. And of course, her trying to figure out the mystery of who is replacing her and why the person replacing her is so much more popular than she is. Uh, here to help me discuss this film, we have Shayra, Ben, and Ivy. Ivy works as an actual cam model, so we'll get to uh, sort of talk about how the film compares to uh, Ivy's experiences in real life as a cam model and how it's being portrayed here, uh, whether or not there is some degree of authenticity to this film. We'll also be able to talk about themes of identity and sort of a manufactured authenticity, which I think are some of the, the main themes that go on through this film as it progresses. So we'll start off with sort of general thoughts about this movie. Um, what did each of you think of it? Uh, what uh, what were some things that stuck out to you? And uh, yeah, we'll start our sort of wide-ranging discussion at this point. What did you think? Ivy, do you want to start? Tell us. Uh, yeah, or, I was going to uh, say, let's have uh, Ivy you, so she can introduce yeah, let's herself. Yeah, have Ivy start. Tell, tell us what you thought of this movie. Yeah, um, actually, I really liked their take on it. Um, aside from whether I thought if it was really close to what it is being a real life cam model. I thought it was interesting that um, the fact that work and life and, and the world basically being in the internet kind of posed that possible challenge of it actually taking your life and imitating it in a weird way that you had no control over it. And that's kind of something that in my opinion that we do every day, we are at risk whenever we put any part of our identity, whether it's a fake name, a pseudonym of any kind, there's still some sort of possibility of your life being taken, whether or used for something that you don't want it to be used or um, what was I? Um, just being taken advantage of. And it's a very honest, it's a very sort of interesting take on that. Um, that I I just I haven't really seen in any other movie particularly, so I liked I liked it. Yeah, it is it is certainly like that's one of the major themes that goes on through this film about who she is, who this main character is, and how that uh, identity has been hijacked from her as soon as she gets uh, as soon as there's the the copy of her that 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 gets uh, put on the internet and starts getting um more views and more popular than she was. And so it, in that way, it is as though um, her, all of her work gets hijacked and uh, taken over by something that she has no agency over. Yeah, that's that's certainly a, a source of a lot of this film's horror. Shayra, what, what did you think? Yeah, so 
there was this video that was posted on Facebook, right? And it had um, a Jennifer Lawrence speech uh, that she gave, but they superimposed Steve Buscemi's face onto her. Um, I know it sounds really weird, but it, it looked really accurate and his face was moving exactly the way hers would be moving. Uh, so it was like Steve Buscemi as Jennifer Lawrence. And um, the technology is starting to come out where I think they really can start to uh, imitate you. And so th the I guess the thing that really freaks me out about this film is this idea that they could take us right now here, us talking to each other, the conversations we're having, the way that our faces move, um, the kinds of uh, patterns to how we speak and how we move our arms and how you know we enunciate and our our accents, um, our idioms we use, and they start to collaborate that into some kind of file where they could actually just spew out uh, a pretend you and um, the idea that you could just be like something could happen to me. They could come and and then I'm sitting here talking to you, but it's not actually me right now talking to you. It is somebody else or some weird robot version of myself interacting with you guys um, and able to uh, read the comment section and see what you look like, but not know what I look like. It, that's so fucking weird. Like there's so much weirdness to that, that it kind of fucks my head up. It, it did not sit well with me. I was a little disturbed. <laughs> that's the best way I could put it. It messed me up a little. Yeah, those are called deep fakes, and uh, they've been used in both uh, pornographic videos um, where you could actually watch a pornographic video of a um, porn star whose whose face has been superimposed with somebody like Gal Gadot's face or Jenna Fisher's. Um, those are, yeah, I mean, I read an article about this not too long ago. And then the real fear is the way in which that technology might invade our politics um, in this age of fake news. Uh, a week before the election, you could get a deep fake of a uh, political candidate being released um, just before the election. And then, of course, that sort of tips the turns, is tips the scales of uh the, the election, uh, that's what it, the article that I was reading was was really concerned about that this technology being used, not just in kind of bullshit porn world where it's just people getting off on this kind of thing, but rather in something that has a, a dire world-changing consequence like a political race or whatnot. Um, Deep fakes are are deeply scary in this in this world, and uh, that's where a lot of the the suspense and tenseness of this film, um, it, uh, where this film gets a lot of its tenseness and and suspense, I think. Well, I don't know. I think I, I think I took something a little bit different from it actually. So that um, about the deep fakes, like that's a totally valid point, right? And that's, that really is super creepy and super terrifying. And like, even especially to the political side, right? Like something you could draw, um, from this film is that, you know, once that kind of stuff gets out into the real world, it sort of takes on a life of its own, right? Like it doesn't really matter whether it's the real person or not, people kind of believe it and it becomes almost impossible to do that sort of damage control, right? Because like the impression's already out there, it's kind of too late doesn't matter what the truth of the matter is <laughs> it's just that's what the initial impression was and it's going to have the impact it's going to have and there's no way to kind of clean that up but um something 
that I really, I, I thought was kind of interesting, right? So if we think about toward the end of the movie and they're having kind of like their final standoff or whatever, something that really sort of changed, I think my perspective on the entire film was like how the, the fake um, was represented while all that was going on. Right. So like as teapot, as she was going by started to get more votes and stuff, you see um, Lola on the the camera like on in the account sort of like glitching more and fading away and so like that really kind of suggested to me maybe that this was kind of like um either like an analogy not necessarily a hallucination i guess but really kind of like an analogy of that content and that persona online sort of like taking on a life of its own and starting to really harm the person who is the you know the model the actress behind the camera you know what i mean it's like there's like two different people conflicting there and one of them starts to be really damaged in her actual life because of what's going on on the account in that performance um yeah so i'm not sure if that was like a different way to sort of like take uh take the events or you know take the struggle there or take the horror um but if so i think that almost like changes the entire meaning of the movie in what ways so you you you're basically saying that this this film is also about how our online personas kind of take on their their identity and their agency of their own is that i mean maybe maybe yeah and so like i i, I might be thinking this coming out of my um like that last quick analysis that i did of perfect blue right so that was kind of like um that was kind of the the story there is that you know you have this person and they're going through this transition and they have this life um but then the the expectation of who they were in their their public persona kind of like takes on its own existence people have that expectation um they treat that as the real you and like even if the real you um is is kind of like presented like differently or like a, in opposition to that persona they're going to pick that persona instead right um anyway so i i do think that maybe my perspective might be colored a little bit by that but yeah so i i really think that this movie is is kind of about that same theme where you have you know the person and then the online persona that they've created and they've cultivated and that everyone in their fan base kind of sees and expects them to be uh the two of those things sort of like coming to odds um particularly because of the nature of the the type of uh performance that she does right so like i mean there's some obvious ways i think that that could be really damaging to a person's personal life especially if their friends and family kind of like aren't aware of that kind of thing and then suddenly they become aware you know i mean like that can be really really sort of damaging i think yeah actually i I've, I've talked to ivy about this and i and i would love to her have her kind of go into that um because that was one of the main problems that the protagonist alice was going through was that she hadn't really come out to her parents or her family um and so it was almost like this hidden thing so i I would like to talk to her a little bit about, I mean, she, she has a story about how she came out to people. So um, I, I would like her to say it, but I, I know it, but I want her to say it. <laughs> yeah, um, it was actually an interesting decision. And um, it kind of, it probably stemmed around because of like this, the story of this movie. Not that I watched the movie and decided to actually come out about it. I hadn't even seen the movie yet, but I think with it knowing, I think I knew that the internet and people, any, anybody could take some form of your identity that's on the internet and make it the thing that everybody defines you as. There's a lot of things. There's such as like revenge porn, like ex-boyfriends who get mad and post like nude pics of you and then 
everybody gets this image that you're like a slut or that you're just like taking new pictures of you and people judge you based on that. I mean, a lot of reality TV stars like Kim Kardashian and, and uh, Paris Hilton has had things like sex tapes and nude like pictures come out of them when they didn't even want it to. And so I think for me, I didn't want somebody to take this and, and have me hiding it away from everybody and have people find out that I'm just this pretend slut that I'd like behind closed doors. I'm just like very naughty and, and having this whole secret. And I thought, you know what, that's bullshit. Like this is, there's more to this. There's more to this. And I think that's when I ended up actually, it's funny. I um, ended up, was it Shara was one of the first people who knew that I was doing this. Um, and then I called my mom Actually, my brother knew before my mom knew. And he was like, hey, have you seen the movie Cam? And I was like, no. I was like, is it any good? He's like, yeah, it's very Hitchcockian. Like, you should totally check it out. And I was like, okay, I'll check it out. But then I told my mom. And how I did was I kind of told her, I was like, well, I'm kind of doing this thing online. And it's um, it's kind of like, you know, I connect people with social media and stuff. And then I told her, and she's like, well, I mean, as long as it's not illegal, we're getting naked or anything. And I was like, it's not illegal. Um, but I just, so I was, I told her, I was like, well, it's not illegal, but it's kind of like, you know how you watch YouTube? I'm a cam model. And it was, and she was just like, oh, wait, what is, and she kind of knew what it was. I said, and I sort of jokingly call it X-rated YouTube because it gives you this platform to sort of talk about different things without any sort of censorship. And so um, I think with me being open with my mom and, and at least my sibling, whether they're distant or not, and boyfriend and friends, it gave me that internal power to say like, no, I'm taking charge of this. If anybody sees anything of me, whether it's nudity or hears anything out of my mouth, it'll be from me and not from anybody else. Though there is that scary thing that we're kind of talking about. Like, so my, what I'm saying is like with what Ben's saying, them becoming their people viewing them as that persona. I mean, a lot of people have done that. You've got like Marilyn Monroe, everybody assumes that she is like you see in the movies, ditzy and like, breathy and oh mr president and it's not real like it's it's this sort of character but you kind of do become it because you played it so much and then you start to sort of add on to that you've got not a lot of people talk about her i mean paris hilton she came out about her voice actually being was lo lower than it actually is and she put on this whole persona and she's lived it for so long but she's like you know what i'm exhausted my voice is like actually this deep. Do you guys like know? Like, there you go. And so I think the decision is owning your persona so that it doesn't, that persona doesn't take you over and, and nobody can claim you for that. But in looking at the sense of what we've been talking about, besides Ben's perspective, um, like the internet taking taking that part of you and using it for something else. I feel like that's seen in a daily thing, like memes. Memes are somebody's reaction to something or or GIFs, and they're just, they're somebody's react, is it GIFs or GIFs? 
that is the greatest debate on the internet. We <laughs> should probably not go there. It's worse than politics. Okay. It's gifts. But um, no, I think like you've got the guy who who does the blinking face, blinking eyes, like he's just that. It's the blinking white guy gif, and that's an example of somebody's reaction from. And actually, he was doing something like what we're doing right now, where they're all talking together and hanging out, except it was a video game thing, and they took his one little square where he reacted in the video, and it's now a gif all over, and it, he's just seen it blow up and that could happen with any either one of us we could make any sort of gesture and it could be used whether for us or for something else or against us in some way so i think that's something that's and that's uh, one of the yeah that's one of the aspects about the internet it's kind of a postmodern aspect of the internet uh where it's all about repurposing things that uh, repurposing things in creative ways. So even those memes and gifs and and other reactions that uh, that have been that fit in one context then get repurposed into other contexts, and that's how people sort of express themselves creatively. In a way, it's it it it, it inspires a degree of creativity in the uh, second poster. Uh, the person who sort of repurposes one thing into another, but it also, I, I I keep thinking that this film is about identity and how that those identities are malleable and how those identities are um, weirdly structured. And I think that when in this postmodern internet age, um, we're kind of subsuming into one identity. Uh, it's it's as though whatever the dominant message on Twitter is, is what the internet and therefore the whole populace thinks. And that I think is a really dangerous tread in our cultural uh, journey because we are starting to become even more homogenized from a medium that was supposed to democratize and individualize ourselves. So the internet was sold as this idea is you could be an individual, you could be yourself, and you can you have this, this free range to express yourself, and it's a democratic world that you are expressing yourself into, and blah, 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 and yet uh, what we have done over the course of uh, Twitter and online communication and whatnot is is only serve to homogenize ourselves even more. Um, and I think that's that's part of what I, I actually wish this film would have explored that identity issue a little bit more. I don't think this film did enough in that in that way, but I do think that that's that's a theme that's in here that is worth talking about and worth sort of exploring, especially. Um, now that you know, I mean, you're talking very specifically, Ivy, about a, um, a, a situation in which your lived identity and your online identity have to somehow be reconciled. And, uh, that's, that's the type of thing that I, you know, I don't have to do that. 
because I'm a film critic, you know, I'm a film critic on the internet and I'm a film critic in real life. So that's, you know, if I, I never had to come out to my parents as a film critic. Um, so they, uh, they knew, um, they knew from the beginning. And so I, I think that's a, it's an interesting, unique uh, experience that you have that, that the rest of us probably don't, uh, don't have to go into. Well, I think part of the reason about being open about it is because you never know, like the situation where she met somebody on um, that guy ended up moving and that's horrifying. That's actually probably every cam model's worst nightmare is somebody coming in church, sort of doing the stalkerish thing. Well, it was a, was a very stalker move and you end up looking out for yourself. Like I've had a couple of moments where like, Somebody the, yesterday what was it the other day I told Shara about it was um, I think I told I think I told you about it Shara the um, a guy um, that I was a guy that I had met on a dating app actually months ago ended up uh, going online and saying hey I met you on this dating app and I was like awesome this person knows my real identity they know where I am on Facebook this is great worst nightmare kind of thing. And we run into that kind of stuff all the time. I think it's one of those things where you, when you become a personality that people want to flock to, like whether it is for a sexual reason, whether it is for like, like they're interested in what it is that you have to say, or they, they find you attractive in some sort of way, or they're your release from the outside world. Um, I think they want to find a way to go and connect with you in a closer way. And that's where it can kind of be that, sort of nightmare. And so when she went and contacted him, I thought that was very, she was very much going against what people would do, but just to actually find the source of why this was happening to her, which I think there were some weirdly hidden things with that guy that I, I feel like the movie didn't explore as far as, because he did talk about like, I knew this was gonna, he talked about how that he knew that this was gonna happen to her, but they didn't really go into depth with that, I think, as much as I thought they were when I first saw the film. Yeah, can yeah. we talk about that a little? Because the end bothered me. <laughs> I I don't want to like completely shit on this movie, but the end bothered me because they did not explain how that beat the situation, how changing her uh, identity fixed it. Uh, like, did did I miss something? I think I, I feel no. like I missed something. No, I don't think you missed anything because I had the same uh, critique of the film. I mean, uh, I think that this film has some interesting themes to discuss, but none of them are fully explored within the film itself. And so I'm actually down on this film. Um, and, and when I give my final thoughts, I'll I'll kind of explain why I can't necessarily recommend it, even though I think there are some interesting aspects of it to talk about. And since, I mean, we're doing the podcast, like we have to talk about something. Um, so, uh, we're, so I, yeah, but I, the, within the plot of the film, he is, I think that the, the filmmakers did not want him to be the main bad guy. They wanted him to be emasculated and just be seen as sort of a, shitty, sad, unfortunate, creepy asshole who um, follows this this woman who he has an unhealthy obsession with 
to her town and that she is then able to, through her wiles and aggressiveness, is able to defeat that villain and also defeat the the deep fake villain that uh, takes over her her uh, her chat or ch takes over her room, not necessarily by uh, getting to the root cause of what has caused the deep fake. Like she's not finding who is responsible for this algorithm, but rather she is just reclaiming her fans from this person. And so that is for me, that as a resolution to the conflict did not work. Um, I, I agree with you, Shayra, that I think that we needed a, a, stronger resolution to the conflict where she gets to the root of the cause. Um, but I don't think that, I don't think, I, I think that the film was trying to get away with not finding the mastermind and certainly not making the schlubby dude who moves his life for a uh, cam model uh, for uh, uh, not making him the mastermind. Uh, I think the film sort of wanted to have it both ways in that way. And and for that, that choice for me didn't work. Um, well, see, I, I, I guess I disagree with that interpretation of the ending then too. Um, I really do feel like they they did kind of get to the heart of, of the problem and figure out a resolution there. Because again, like, you know, for, from my perspective, I, I don't think it's like a, a deep fake thing. Um, so if we notice at the very end, yes, yeah, she changes her identity. She has her new driver's license. Um, the reason that she did that, I think, can be debated. Maybe it is because literally because she felt like her identity had been stolen. Or maybe it's because the the platform as we saw before already had her old id in it so like maybe she literally just had to do it for practical reasons and she decided to pursue that career by changing her id so that she could get her profile back or get a new profile um but i think the key here really is that you can see very obviously that she's changed the personality that she puts forward and probably the nature of her channel as well so, I mean, we have that one character that she runs into in that, like, shared model house or whatever um, that has, like, the blonde hair. You can see it's obviously a wig. She dresses a certain way. Um, and she almost, it's, it's, it's kind of like she takes on that persona, like somebody else supposedly has taken on her persona, right? So, like, I think what she's really trying to do there is just change the nature of that personality that she's putting out there maybe to somebody like that number one um, model who didn't show any nudity. You know what I mean? Like it might have been coming down to the fact that she was not happy with what she had to do on camera to get views, to move up her rank. The fact that she had to fake her own suicide. Although, I mean, it's like, it's an interesting concept and like clearly she'd put a lot of effort into like the, the effects and stuff. It's really interesting, but maybe that was just eating at her so much that the solution was to, okay, I need to do something totally different. I can't do this any longer. I have to change what the personality is that I'm sharing kind of like a life with, right? That I'm putting out there to the public so that it doesn't consume me and destroy me, if that makes sense. So the resolution for the conflict, the way you read the end of the film is that when she, when she returns to doing cam modeling or camming, that 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 the identity that she is going to create is more authentic and more closely aligned with who she is as a person. Perhaps. Um, but I think really the the main takeaway there is that she was able to kill that old identity by deleting the channel. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that was that was the resolution. That was how she beat the monster. That's how she killed the monster by completely deleting that identity now it can no longer take a life of its own because it's gone for good like it's purged it's destroyed 
So the next identity that she gives birth to and shares life with is something a little bit more in under her control because she kind of like recognizes where that can sort of go. Um, and this is a little bit of an abstract, I think maybe interpretation of it, but I, you know, I think there are enough breadcrumbs throughout the story to kind of like to, to suggest that this is more metaphorical than literal. Um, and I also want to point out though, Jim, that uh, if, if we do want to check the Rotten Tomatoes on this, yes, the, the audience score is quite low. It's at 56%, but the critic rating is at 93% with 91 reviews. So I, I, you know, I don't know, like all these people on here that are professional critics clearly see something in this movie that's good. Well, yeah, but they, <laughs> not to be too, you know, that I uh, disagree with the critics. I mean, that's, uh, that's remember Ben. I'm the person who gave Halloween like one and a half stars, not the remake, the original. I'm willing to go toe to toe with the critics every now and then. I'm most often I'm aligned with them. I'm more aligned. I'd be with just face palmed because you said that. Oh, <laughs> she yeah. was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the Halloween podcast? And then everybody the has their opinions. So. What's that? I said everybody has their opinions, so that's fine. I mean, whatever well, you do, you're probably wrong, but. You know. <laughs> One of the comments said that this is called Jim is Wrong, the podcast. And uh, that is exactly how that podcast went. But yeah, I mean, I'm willing to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the critics. Just because the critics like something doesn't mean that that it's necessarily good. Um, or that it worked. I mean, maybe some things worked for them that didn't work for me. Um, I haven't read those critical, many of those critical reviews. I've read a few, but uh, I, I still... I, I, I don't I think we'll get into a little bit more why I don't like what it, about the film didn't work for me. Um, but I think part of the, what didn't work for me was how this that identity conflict um, may be subtly resolved. I'll give you that. But what isn't resolved is whether or not her identity is going to be uh, stolen again and whether or not the mastermind, the algorithm uh, that that produced fake Lola is capable of producing a fake everybody else, um, and how that that is seemed to be the central mystery that was moving this film along. Like, who is taking Lola's place? How is she going to figure it out? And when it's resolved in the way that it's resolved in the film, I found that a little bit unsatisfying. Yeah, they seem to talk about it like it was some weird, like, so the pitiful guy that she catches, you know, masturbating in the bathroom, um, he was, like, he kind of talked about it like he had been on there long enough that it was about, that he saw that there was this virus that was doing it. So he, it was weird because he kind of knew that, and what an asshole, though, like, you're not going to tell me, like, that this thing is going to do that, but um, they don't. Yeah, they didn't really address it much at all. It was kind of more, they. it was almost like they switched what they were trying to do in the film to kind of have a weird resolution. Like, I like kind of like what Ben was saying with, yeah, she was sort of defeating her own sort of inner demon because she was exhausted with doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, fake suiciding, doing a fake suicide all the time would kind of wear me down a lot, I think doing one one time would feel really weird and gross but um i can see that but so i can see that perspective but it seemed like 
what they were doing was trying to do some weird twist, but they left the first idea hanging. Like they left it with the guy in his weird apartment and then they only slightly answered it. They didn't really answer it. They only slightly talked about it with her and her mom when she was doing her makeup at the end. Like, what What? What are you going to do if this happens again? We'll create a new account. So you're going to smash your head on a desk every time that this happens to you. And that one didn't make sense to me because she couldn't just delete her account in the beginning because she tried to do that right away. And she had to somehow like metaphorically kill herself again while actually giving herself physical harm to remove some sort of entity online that didn't really make sense to me. So I, I love this idea of uh, rebirthing yourself online because this is not the first time I've seen somebody do this, not necessarily in camming, but on YouTube, uh, um, for example, ContraPoints. Um, I had followed ContraPoints back when they were not a girl. And when they sounded like an incel, you know, piece of shit entitled asshole. And now ContraPoints erased all the old videos, went away for years, came back, started out as genderqueer, and then moved completely over as, yes, I'm a trans woman. And she is kicking ass. I mean, she has a lot of followers now and has completely reinvented herself to be true to herself. So she, she started out a completely wrong version of herself that did not accurately depict who she was. She completely reinvented herself and it, you would not even recognize, you know, the difference came only to help her. So maybe that's what this character is going to end up doing is is be reborn. Maybe they maybe we really can be rebirthed on YouTube. Maybe really we really can be rebirthed in uh, camming or whatever. You know, maybe we started out on the wrong foot and can adjust our persona. Uh, that is very intriguing to me, Ben. <laughs> that idea is very intriguing to me because, in a way, I've seen it happen. So uh, I, I don't know. It's it's. It's kind of fascinating. Um, yeah, I had no idea that uh, that Natalie had like completely changed up her account or anything like that. I mean, you're talking about before she started doing videos about the golden one in Rouge and stuff, right? I mean, like before that even? Completely before. And the thing is, she was still ContraPoints, but she was not who she is today. Uh, and it was weird because um all of a sudden i started getting notifications that contrapoints was making videos again and i was like i haven't heard from contrapoints in fucking years and uh watch the first video that pops up completely different person and then i was like what happened to all the previous stuff and i look at the previous stuff and i'm like that's not there it dis this person like what someone scrubbed <laughs> someone scrubbed kept the same name but scrubbed. And uh, I don't know, I think it's fantastic. I, I actually love that about her that she did that. <laughs> so uh, I, I obviously agree with her more now. So <laughs> so um, yeah, I can weirdly say that I was in the first thousand subscribers <laughs> of, of ContraPoints because of that. But um, yeah, I don't know, like, uh, there's, 
there's this idea that if you fuck up on the internet, it's forever there, but maybe not. You know? Well, uh, if you fuck up on the internet, it is, like, the internet is written in ink. Um, I'm sure that if there were a, if somebody were trying to uh, find ContraPoint's original videos, that that person would be able to find those videos. And if there was any sort of deception or whatever that they wanted to um, pull out or or in, in some way expose, it would be possible to expose that deception. Um, the question is, is whether or not it's worth the effort in doing that um, and whether or not it's, it would be, um, it, if there is a deception to uh, expose. I don't think there is. I think what ContraPoints is doing now is exactly what she wants to be doing and that that is authentic, the authentic identity that she wants to cultivate and um, explore through the internet. And so God bless her, let her do it. Uh, but I think that this gets, see, it gets tricky, right? If you want to scrub a previous identity, if you want to, if I want to, um, you know, change my internet persona, I could delete all of the deadly, well, I wouldn't actually be able to delete all the deadly analysis. <laughs> no, I would have a problem with that. But I would be, you know, I would delete all the deadly analysis, de delete Jim and Garrett at the movies, delete all of my Twitter accounts, and then form a new one. And that would be perfectly fine. But it would get squirrely, right, if we're talking about uh, political figures' identities and political, like, what if Roy Moore wanted to scrub his identity? Um, that would be, I, I, at least for me, I would find that to be a different moral category and uh, a different ethical category uh, when we're when we're talking about scrubbing identities and changing identities and how identities are fluid. Um, I think it's true that this movie is dipping its toes in that kind of thing, but uh, I, I wonder how ethically um, how ethically based that is when it comes to more extreme cases. I'm not really sure about extreme cases, but I, I do think in general, I, I would have to support the behavior too. So I know for me personally, I've actually done that on a couple of platforms a couple of times. Um, and it's just because I've been on the internet for a while, right? Like, I mean, I, I, I got a Facebook account when I was a freshman in college. And so I've had enough time to accumulate some like really not great stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so as I think a person grows, they should be entitled to be able to kind of like refresh that. Um, like, and obviously that has its limits, right? Like, I mean, if you do something so egregious and immoral that you kind of need to be held accountable, that's one thing. But I mean, if you're just being a stupid kid um, and you kind of like do things that aren't hurting anybody, but they kind of look bad, that's something totally different. Um, like, obviously, like politicians, I think it's it's technically illegal for them to do that, which is kind of interesting. So, you know, we have that sort of a double standard for certain kind of people that have wholly given themselves over to public life that they're not even allowed to have that second chance anymore right i mean it's like against the law for them to try and hide what they've said who they are they can't block people you know what i mean um so that's kind of a, i guess like a different story too they might be the only type of people who have sort of like signed literally a contract that legally binds them to a single identity consistently over time yeah, I'll uh, maybe I'll feel bad about my Halloween review and want to scrub my identity and <laughs> turn it into. Uh, <laughs> I've grown. I apologize for my Halloween review.
uh, this film is actually a genius. It's not a real estate agent, a real estate video with the creepy music. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see if that works out. Um, let's, uh, so one of the other themes of this film that I thought was interesting was how femininity and um, so-called, I mean, I use this phrase, although I'm not a big fan of the phrase, but it's, it's accurate in its description of what occurs in the movie. And it's slut shaming and how slut shaming and feminine sexuality is portrayed in this film. Um, I think that's one of the other things, when we're talking about the resolution of this film and how you see Ben, how Ben, you see the resolution of this film to be the creation of a new identity. It, you know, how do we read that within the lens of some of the shit that's happened to um, this character throughout the, 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 action of the movie, especially in relationship with her family and how she is quote unquote slut shamed um, by her her family and by her other, you know, for even the men who are uh, fans of her room, um, they seem to think, think that she is capable of, uh, or that she is willing to be a certain type of person with her. And it's that expectation that sort of drives them to meet with her when she, when she talks to them. How do we think about, how do we think about the way slut shaming is portrayed within this movie? So I have a, a theory on this and you guys can completely go from a different direction from me, but my theory on this is that she went away from her character and that's when all that shit hit the fan and it might just be her own inner demons that are attacking her. Um, because, and, and by the way, I'm completely against slut shaming. That's why I had to leave high school uh, and had a whole bunch of shit happen to me in my life. So I, I'm not trying to downplay the slut shaming thing. But in this particular case, I think with her, um, so she had always been a person with three values and she told what her three values are. One of her values was that she never fakes an orgasm, uh, but she was really, really wanting to get some ranking. And when she decided to go to the Vibratron and when she decided to do something that was obviously uncomfortable, I don't know what anybody would be excited by that. Like, honestly, uh, I, I know that Ivy can probably talk about uh, the alternative to a Vibratron. There's a better Vibratron out there for, for the camming world. Um, <clears throat> but this particular Vibratron was like horrific, like Nazi, like torture. What the fuck is this thing? And people are like, yeah, I lost my feeling in my clit because of it. What the, why? No, N no. And so she went away from one of her major rules and she made this rule for herself that she would never fake an orgasm. And she put herself on a machine that it's, is essentially physically torturing herself so that she can't find pleasure anymore. And um, that was when all of a sudden <laughs> uh, she started to um, perceive herself in a different way. And maybe that was a big part of how others were seeing her too. I have no idea if that's how you guys took it. I do want to take it to Ivy on this too, because you know, she has certain experiences, I'm sure. But for me, it felt a little bit like she went away from her morals and values. And that's when the shit started to hit the fan for her. So. Yeah, I think definitely 
that is a negative that everybody sees and nobody really knows what to how to really address it especially when you're a friend or a family whenever you go some way against your moral values and maybe even her viewers had a hard time with that at first they're like well you usually just do these kind of morbid suicide shows you don't really like she even talked about it like in the beginning she talked about a cum show and it, I, you guys kind of get what a cum show is i'm sure you guys know um but it's in the name but um like she even showed like the toys and stuff that she used nothing was very harmful nothing looked everything looked very normal it was it, it didn't look like anything that was out of the ordinary and then she does this whole thing that actually is kind of like could be dangerous to her in some way and she about passes out what it looks like in the end but as far as like the way that her family viewed her I think she really held her she really held herself at a distance already from her family and I think that was one of the reasons why them finding out that she was willing to be more open with other people online than she was with her family was one of the reasons why it was harder for them to take the fact that they were actually that that she was actually doing what she did online I think if she was more open with her family about things like she was with her younger brother like if she was as open like that with her mom she might have been more supportive because in the end her mom didn't reject her completely she thought about it for a while and she said you know what i'm going to help you out i'm going to help you out with your makeup i'm going to help you out with this this you're a grown-ass woman you can do this yourself and you know and i think that's like with the choice of me telling my mom because i'm already really close with her and so I don't distance everything that I do from her. I don't distance all of that. I don't try to have a fake persona because she was like, she never wore makeup, was always in sweats. She never really looked like what she did in our cam shows, which is something we all make a, make ourselves up for like different presentations. I mean, I was just curling my hair right before the show. So like there's things like that that happen. But when it comes to this drastic thing where she didn't even she started to not even know who she was anymore she was getting to that drastic point like with what Cheryl was saying where it was it was getting too much for her and if it's getting too much for her and her family doesn't even know as much as like the littlest things that she's done on cam then it's going to be a really hard thing and as far as like her viewers they probably thought you know if she's willing to do this as wrong as it is they were thinking, if she's willing to push herself this far, she must be willing to, hey, hey, she actually came to my place. She came to my apartment and talked to me. I'm gonna let her stay the night. She came to my hotel and I'm gonna like have sex with her in a restaurant. You know, there's, there's very like drastic views that a lot of people, especially the cops, that pissed me off, honestly. That was like something I had a hard time with. And I think with the mixture between it sort of did a good job, in my opinion, of showing how people do treat you when you're not yourself. When you don't portray who you actually are, they're gonna go with what that per persona they think you are, the persona they think you're portraying. And they're gonna go with it as if it's real. I went, there was a guy I bumped into on, to on the street who was just kind of really creepy and telling me how fucking hot he thought I was and trying to like get me to stay near him and it was really creepy. If people look at you and view you in some certain way, they're gonna and and you don't like act yourself, you don't 
do anything to tell people that you have boundaries, they're going to treat you like you don't have boundaries. And I think like with the cops, her covered in blood, that was them saying, oh, you don't have boundaries. So what else do you do? And it's just became sort of this, as wrong as it was, you can kind of see how they saw it. And um, it was kind of a, it was a very sort of in your face sort of example in the middle of the movie. It wasn't really talked about much as at all. It was kind of sudden slut shame and then figure it out yourself is what it seemed to be. It seemed to be part of the major climax of the movie, so to speak. <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually in press for the film. Uh, the writers have indicated that that was based upon a real experience. The uh, um, This is, in fact, the most of this film is based upon a real experience of a cam model who's uh, videos were pirated and then taken, um, and she wasn't given credit for them and was, wasn't given the money for them. When she talked to the police about it, she was then treated the way we see in the movie. Um, it was even said that during her, some of the pitches for the film, uh, the, the producers or the would-be producers of the movie would instead of talk about the movie would then ask her questions about her work as a cam model and as a sex worker. And it was, it, the, the pitch meaning sort of devolved from let's green light this movie to what's the weirdest sex act that you've ever had to do on camera. And that kind of unprofessional behavior is what uh, sort of motivated the 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 point of view of this film and motivated the the creators behind this film according to a lot of the press prior to the movie um and i find that to be really interesting and i, I think this this film comes through as a feminist this film comes through with a feminist message in part because of the experiences of the writers and in part because i think that this film is really trying to hammer home the point that um, authenticity, similar to what you were saying, Ivy, that an authentic identity is an identity that um, is less likely to be shamed, even though there are uh, power structures and people who are eager to shame you. Um, at least that 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 was what I got from those scenes as well. Um, ben, what do you, what do you think, Shara? Do you guys want to jump in on this? Yeah, I mean, like talking about like the slut shaming stuff, um, and sort of being open, uh, especially with like your family. I, um, I'm, I'm reminded, and I'm kind of thinking about her relationship with her brother a little bit on that front, and something that was kind of interesting to me the fact that like she was so open with him already and he kind of like knew and would celebrate with her whenever she would have success um and would reach another milestone i think that was really cool but obviously at a certain point in the movie that relationship totally changes and it's because of not anything that like she's done differently but like his friends find out and then start treating her a certain way you know what i mean like start treating her like an object like it wasn't an issue when just he knew like he didn't actually give a shit what she was doing and in fact he seemed like really proud of her and happy with her um you know and would be able to like celebrate with her and stuff and it was no big deal but yeah i mean it was really he he ended up not wanting to talk to her and like he became embarrassed and stuff because of how other people were treating his sister and probably how they talked to him and like would talk about her um and yeah i mean like i i it 
it's i i'm not even like really sure how to describe that phenomenon right like i mean it has it has like this intense sense of like realism to it you know what i mean but it's it's sort of like a secondary effects of slut shaming destroying a relationship that she had that was previously quite strong just because i guess what that guy felt like embarrassed <laughs> he was now embarrassed of his sister because other people knew um you know it was just it's a really strange thing and i think probably that that situation stands out to me so much because it's so it, it's it's foreign to me right like i mean i don't think that anyone's ever like tried to objectify me in any way and like obviously i think that speaks to the fundamental difference in our experiences as men and women right and, like how we get treated by others um and that i think goes to like the slut shaming thing right like there's that massive double standard there um so it's really kind of i i think it it seems a little bit surreal but that is just because of my perspective of it not being something that i personally would probably ever have to experience you know what i mean well, there's like a major point where things went south with the brother, right? And that was when the doxing happened. And we all, as YouTubers, know the problem of doxing, right? That's the that's the real fear. That is that is where all the fear is is uh, someone finding out who your real family is, uh, where you actually live, ways that they can actually stalk you ways that they can actually interfere with your personal and familial lives. Um, and that was where things really took a turn because, you know, the persona Lola uh, was showing pictures of the brother and doxing him, saying his real name in real life. Uh, these are the problems that we worry about. Although um, one of the things that my husband and I uh did to battle that personally was we were very honest about where we lived and what our actual names were. Um, I've always been Shayra online. I've always been Shayra and uh, I've never had a, a, a alternate name, <laughs> you know, I've never had a, a thing. And that was just my way of shielding myself. A lot of people didn't believe it was my real name because it seemed weird. And um, I remember doing a live show once and showing my driver's license, you know, obviously put my fingers over certain parts, but uh, this is my legit name. I am Shayra. This is my actual name. Um, a lot of people were shocked by that um, because most people are not honest about their actual names in, in the online world. Although that's starting to kind of maybe drift away from that. I don't know. Maybe some people are starting to be a little bit more honest about their real life cities live in and their names but i know back when i started on youtube everybody was very much hidden about who they were and um so uh, there's this idea of like doxing someone saying who they actually are saying their real name showing a picture of their family member um this is my real house this is my real hallway these are my real boxes this is my real bedroom this is my real bed that shit is fucking scary and we've actually seen this happen online many times where um certain people have been doxxed where their job has been revealed or their place of living has been revealed whether people are angry or whether people are just snoopy creeper people it's kind of scary and so the the thing that was interesting about this is the persona was doing that you know the persona was doxing the brother and that was when the brother kind of was like, hey, uh, first off, my creepy friends have been watching you <laughs> and being assholes and writing whorehouse on your wall. But now you're like 
legitimately putting me out there and saying my real name. Like, that's some scary ass shit. So, I don't know. I just thought I'd put that out there. That was probably where the brotherly love got cut. Well, this is my real name, but I'm actually not a smoker. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I think you're. I think Ben's right when we talk about how you know this is an example of male privilege, where uh, I, I worry less about this than than other people. Uh, what about you, Ivy? Within your cam life, has there been uh, boundaries that have been crossed that you are able or want to talk about, or um, is this is this an issue for for cam models within your experience? As far as my experience, I don't really I haven't really talked to a lot of other cam models. Um, it's it's really been um, for me. I've I started off completely disguising my identity. Um, I started off as Ivy Stevens and I just haven't changed it because it's kind of created more of a brand name for me than anything. And um, so it's not something that I, I really feel I'm hiding behind so much anymore. And with having like a Snapchat where people can talk to me and now an Instagram and then pretty soon maybe adding on a Twitter, it's kind of they become into my world. They come into my world already. They know I live in Oregon. I'm not really shy about that kind of thing. I don't. I just don't tell them what town I live in, just because I don't want somebody showing up at my door in in a random way. It could that that kind of is a little bit creepy. But I feel like people should know that in general. Um, just just that you don't. I tell people like that. I won't tell you my location, but I'll tell you I'm in Oregon. I might tell you if I'm at this festival. I might tell you if I go here at this convention center, I'm going to be at the Exotica in Portland in June. Like, feel free to come and see me then. Like, these are moments where you can see me in person. You can actually talk to me. You can talk to me on my phone. You can message me. One of my um, friends on there has my number. That's fine. Like, just, I'm okay with certain parts of my identity. I don't, I usually tell people online, I don't really have a life outside of this. There's not really anything interesting that goes on. You know, I might go and, ooh, I made a breakfast burrito. Wow. You know, that's, and then I watched a movie on Netflix. This is my life. This is what happens. And then I and they go online and, um, and cam. Uh, my most exciting thing right now is in that, not in a dreadful way, in a very, I'm okay with this way, is camming. Or maybe I will go and hang out with Shayra. So, like, She's a real life friend, you know, that's, that's, I've hung out with Ben before, you know, these are, this is, these are things that are, that are real, but I don't, in no way, I mean, they, I don't, I tell them all, I'll tell them about life experiences. Um, some of them have seen, I'll send my before pics on Snapchat. You can't send some, you can't show some things on a cam website of anybody else's face unless that face has had an ID with it. So you're not allowed to show anybody um, or even have anybody else in your room unless they have actually presented an ID. So that's something that is that you have you have to have verified identity to be able to be in a cam room because they need to know you're not 18 or below. Um, so is that can, for performers or people in the chat? That's for performers. You can't really do that with people in chat. I don't think. Um, as far as I know, I have not seen anything like that where, you know, so you never know, but let's face it, 
teenagers are just going to get on porn sites. Can't stop it. I just tell them 18 and older, please, and leave it up to them. There you go. Like, and so I don't encourage it, of course. It's just something that I, um, that I know is possible, but you can't be a cam person, but you can, you can actually have a cam site. You can, never mind, that's false. You can cam without having your identity. You just won't be able to receive tokens. So you can't get paid as a cam model unless you have verified that you are 18 and above with your actual driver's license or any other form of identity. Can you, I, I know this sounds really weird, but can you explain the tokens thing? Cause honestly, it goes a little bit over my head. I'm sure it yeah. went over other people's head. I don't think we need super details, but that was one aspect of the movie where I was like, what does the, what does fit 5,000 tokens mean? Like what is, what does the numbers mean? Is a lot. So, um, there was a little bit for me where I was like, wow, she's really wanting to be highest ranker. She's making more than I make. Like it's, it's really ridiculous. So a token itself is five cents. So it's like, and most cam sites, and she was right about this when she t was talking on a, with the, um, she was talking, I love how I'm doing this, but she was, <laughs> She was talking with um, the actual like help line for her work and saying, you guys make half of my money. That is exactly how it works. So a token could be like 10, is 10 cents for the person who is giving the token, but the person who receives it. So the model gets 5 cents per token. So 5 cents goes directly to the camming website. So I'm on Chatterbait, for example. Whatever I make, Chatterbait gets like, I would be making, if Chatterbait wasn't taking that half of that token, then I would get twice as much as what I would make on the daily, which be which would actually be a lot for me. But um, for, so for most, as far as I know, for most camming websites, it's five cents for the model and 10 cents for the person who actually has to go and pay for the token itself. And you have to get them in like batches. So the reason people are sometimes able to give like 500 tokens at a time is because on those camming websites, you will get like package deals, like get 5,000 tokens for this much or get this much for this much. And so that you can go ahead. And it also, there's a ranking when it comes to people who come into your room. So you might've noticed that a lot of the names are different colors. Now those colors are actually their ranking. So a gray, that black, the black letters, I mean, they have no tokens. So if they have no tokens, people can block them out completely and not talk to them. Um, or if they have like a lighter blue color, that means they have some tokens in their account. It could be five, it could be 10. You know, it means that they have something so that people, it's ranked this way so that cam models can personally decide to only talk to people who have maybe a certain amount of tokens or higher or whichever. Personally, I don't give a shit. If you want to talk to me, I'm lonely. Please talk to me. I'd love to hang out. Maybe we can learn from each other and be friends. But like, it's, it's not, it's kind of a way of people being able to have their own business and make sure that they're making the amount of money that they want. Obviously, like I didn't see her going for any specific token goal. And that for me 
was a little outside of the realm of what actually happens in CAM modeling. You know, she must, in my opinion, I thought she must be doing so well that she doesn't give a shit how much she makes that day. She just wants to make the ranking. And that is something I've never seen personally. I've never gone on a CAM site and seen people tr like an actual like one through a thousand trying to make it to the top like 50 or anything like that. There is a possibility though, I will say this, if you are, if you do make it to the first page where somebody can click on, like open up Chatterbait, for example, like I have not worked on any other cam site, but Chatterbait specifically, if you if you were to open it up and you see the people on the first first page, it means those people are being watched enough that they're recommending you for other people. And when you get to that point, they will pay you like $10 an hour. And so there is there is a ranking sort of thing where you can try to make rank, but it's something that it, it's really different. And they were really accurate on the fact that it's hard to stay in a rank. You can't, it's, it's really, you have to be on there consistently. You have to be on top of your social media consistently. You gotta keep up your followers. You gotta actually, keep it interesting. And so I thought it was kind of funny, fun that they were showing that she was trying, she even had a calendar. She was creative. She gave me some ideas, but she was had a calendar of, of where she was completely organized on different things she did every day. She even had a pie one day that she was going to eat and send a pie to some, that's so random, but it's kind of how you have to do to an extent. You have to you have to keep it busy. I've had times where I have multiple things going. I have battleship going on, like in my in the background, where somebody tips a certain amount to try to see if they can hit my battleship and eventually sink it. And then they get a prize, which could be me flashing my boobs. You know, there could be something like that there. And then at the end, a fun dance strip tease to maybe hit me baby one more time. I don't know. It depends. So each time is different. And then what Shayla was talking about with the that stupid Vibatron thing that was in the movie that sounds god awful. There is something similar to that in the canning world. And you are more likely to make like more money if you have it. And it's and it's actually called the Lush. It's it, that's the company name. And it's a type of vibrator that if you you have it, it'll connect, it's a Bluetooth and it can connect to your computer and connect to your camming website and people tip a certain amount of money and it will like turn it on and it will it'll vibrate for a certain amount of seconds. And then the more it can vibrate for a longer amount of time on a harder setting and it's kind of like, it causes this whole sort of thing. So there's a lot, it's a very sort of, it's not a relaxing environment. It's a very sort of <laughs> all over the place. So they did a good job of showing each model. When I, my favorite part was when you're clicking through and seeing the different models. That's very much what it's like in each room. Somebody not figuring out what their shit is. Somebody pouring glitter all over themselves. Somebody taking a shower. Somebody uh, cooking. There's a lot of people who to, um, will cam in their kitchen and cook their morning burrito. There's a lot of people who will actually be playing weird games or having a, having a guest in their room. It's it's a different world and um, people really kind of go on. It's like really the next generation. And I don't know if whether to call it porn or not. 
because it's turning into the Norse new sort of uh, option instead of YouTube, if that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, um, we that's this is sort of a new, a new world for me, and uh, so all of this stuff is uh, is new to my I. I, I didn't know almost any of that. Uh, we do have a question in the chat. I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, it's, uh, I apologize if this, this is, I'm quoting the question now. I apologize if this is a rude question, but I've always wondered this. As CAM models and people in similar careers age, do they generally develop other skills to transition to new careers? Or is it a cross that, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it kind of thing? Uh, would you be willing to answer that question, Ivy? Yeah, absolutely. That's not a hard thing. And honestly, I, I, I'm fairly new to the world in general, but, but it, it has been pretty easy to dive into and sort of get very immersed in that, in that sort of environment. And it's something where there are, I, I do want to say there are tons of age range. There's a huge age range. I've seen people who are in their fifties and sixties on there and people are of different weight size and different looks and sort of thing. There is, there is somebody who did give a good point that there is, there is a look for everybody, whatever you're into, it's possible. Like there is somebody who can be into you or your look or your style and who you are just like in the dating world. So you could be somebody's fantasy. Now, as far as like the aging thing goes, yeah, like I don't know personally if I would be continuing this like when I'm in my 40s and on, you know, not that I even consider like going all the way up to 40, but it is an opportunity that I found that I really loved. And um, and I've, I've met some good friends and it's kind of helped me sort of develop more of what it is that I personally by myself believe and um and kind of want to do from here on so you could there are some people who will actually move from this into porn it is an option people will do that people are less likely to do that because people don't really pay for porn that much anymore it's kind of something you can download you can torrent it you can find it anywhere it's not really hard um so to speak so <laughs> but um it really Yes, it really depends on the person, to be honest. It's not something that, it's, it hasn't been around long enough um, to really, it's to really decide that kind of thing. If it's- Can I answer this question? Yeah. Sure. So here's what's happening. Uh, I have been working with Ivy a lot, taking lots of pictures of her and uh, she's an amazing model. I posted pictures on my Facebook of her. She is gorgeous and amazing, but she's also uh, educated in musical stuff and in acting. And when Jim and Ben finally figure out what they want to do with making a movie and they work with Ivy and I and Noah, we're going to have our Deadly Analysis horror film and Ivy will be our final girl. So look forward to that coming to uh youtube near you <laughs> hopefully that's where it goes <laughs> me pressure's on ben <laughs> we gotta write that script now oh wait i already have never mind uh yeah that's <laughs> we shall see uh yeah i mean that's uh it's it's sort of i don't know i mean when i was when i was in my 
teens. I thought I was going to be an actor for the rest of my life. When I was in my 20s, I thought I was going to be an accountant for the rest of my life. When I was in my late 20s, I thought I was going to be a paramedic for the rest of my life. When I'm in my 30s, I think I'm going to be an English teacher for the rest of my life. Uh, I don't fucking know. Once I hit 40, I'll probably become like an architect. Who knows? Or hopefully a film critic. We'll we'll see how life goes. Uh, it's sort of a weird. I, I think it's the it's sort of the same in 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 everybody's journey. Well, it's 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 uh, idiosyncratic to to everybody's journey, but we all kind of go through these these career changes as time goes on. Um, yeah, I uh, let's. <laughs> I will reveal a- one secret. I won't give details, but Ivy has been in a music video. I'm, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah. We were, uh, You've just outed her as a uh, music video actress. <laughs> See, I was like, in the ri- initial tweet, like when I when I publicized the tonight's podcast, I was like, I don't know, do I am I gonna out her as a cam girl? Like, is is this cam with a cam girl, or are we like, how are we doing this? So I didn't do it, but uh, so I wanted to check with you before we we started actually talking about cam modeling within the the context of this so uh i'm glad that i'm glad that everything's all set um all right uh, did you want to say something ivy go ahead i said you don't have to check with me just check with my manager sarah i think she knows she can answer for all of us all right um well what i can't other- wait to see that percentage come my way when she becomes famous that's all i'm saying <laughs> i didn't know as her manager but now i'm excited <laughs> and you get 10 percent uh so there you go that's standard agents fees as i was telling the wga just the other day um all right uh we'll move I, another question another thing that i wanted to talk about a discussion uh, aspect of this is how much goes into how much work goes into a cam show. Like we see a lot of this within the context of the film, where she's got that calendar. Ivy, you talked a lot about this. Um, I'm sort of wondering how much that is true to life. Um, you you talked about how this character gave you ideas for your own cam modeling. Um, what? Uh, do you, can we talk a little bit more about that? I think that's one of the more interesting aspects is one of the good things that this film does is delve us into this world. And now that we have the opportunity to sort of check its off authenticity with, with your experience, um, how much work does go into a cam show? How much preparation do you have before you um, start to uh, do a, a camp show? Well, yeah, and honestly, the first answer I wanna say is it really depends on the model. And it depends on what that person has in mind. Is this a job? Is this something you want to actually have for your job? Is this something that you want to do for fun? Or like, is this like, what, what is this platform to you personally? And, and also like, what is, what do you know will actually get you into the room? So one of the things that I did was I actually ended up going onto a campsite, clicked on different videos and saw, you know what? I don't like that. That person's just laying there touching themselves on their phone. That's like not interesting. So like there's there's a lot of different things that happen. Like there was, what was it? I went into somebody's room the other day and their whole room was fairy tale themed. It was, their name was called like the protagonist. And it was really interesting. Like they laid out their about me and everything like a storybook, like their, their different information. It's it kind of, it depends. You can kind of have your own persona, much as like you can on YouTube. But 
you kind of have to decide first what you want to put forth, whether it's mostly sexual, whether it's also conversational, um, whether you want to only talk to people with tokens, whether you want to do lots of private shows. Because if you don't know a private show, somebody can actually like click on um, request a private show on your room. And if you choose to offer them or a group show, and what that does is um, they get to have you only, but they have to pay a certain amount of tokens to stay in there. Like for me, it's 60 tokens a minute. 60 tokens a minute for, for you to only have me and we can do whatever. Like, you know, just depending on the scopes of what I'm comfortable with, you know, so you have to keep that in mind. What are things that you're comfortable with and what do you want to invest in and how much are you willing to invest in it and what is it going to mean? So for me, I bought a lighting setup. I wanted to get a lighting setup. So that costs a certain amount of money. Um, thankfully, I already had invested in the good mic. Um, I had to get a new mic stand. I had to get a new, like, webcam. You know, you have to consider the expenses of what it is to get a decent-looking setup. You know, whether it is, like, renting out. Some people will rent out a space. So one thing they did do in the movie well is they had the clubhouse. They don't have anything, as far as I know, like that near me. But some places in like South South LA, like South Hollywood, they will have um, actual like what looks like an apartment building, and it's basically filled with studios, like bedroom studios that people can actually go and they can rent for a certain amount each night, and they will look like normal bedrooms. They will look like whatever they want them set up as, and they will cam out of them as if that's their own setup. So people so. Somebody could choose to rent out a, a space for that, and they because it's tax. It's you can use it as a tax deduction. You can use it just even for insurance, like cost deduction. So um, it's an actual business. It's just where do you want to run your business, and how do you want to run it, and what what equipment are you willing to buy for it? Um, same with things like if you want to do a crazy show, like with what I told you guys earlier, it can take a bit of um, creativity uh, to keep everybody coming into your room. Um, yeah, I mean, you can choose to just get naked and have people be like, oh, they're naked, let me go see, you know, and then fill up people in your room that way. Or you can actually do something creative. Like there was that part of that alternative version of her where she was in a, in, in a bathtub, like in, in, what was it, a kiddie pool. Or something like that. She did. She didn't do that every day. She decided to invest in that. She bought that kiddie pool. She bought the blow ups with it. She actually got the swimsuit. You know, she has a box of fun, which also seemed to have weirdly deadly items, and you know, like sex toys if that's your thing. So the range could be. I mean, if you really wanted to go in it cheaply, you could just get a good webcam and go from the the mic and the webcam and maybe use a couple lamps. I had just basic lamps in front of me and they looked awful. And I started off that way and eventually built up and got umbrella lamps and all kinds of stuff and got a new computer for this. So for me, it costs probably like, I don't know, like close to 1500 to $2,000 to actually get a decent setup to actually get me started. But it really depends on the person and what they're willing to do and how much they're going to take it seriously. 
Cool. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's uh, Jim always yeah. blushes when you talk about this. He's like, I don't watch this. I swear. Oh. <laughs> you know how many people come in my room and they're like, so I don't normally come into this kind of stuff, but like, so what do you do? I'm like, um, all right, you're cool. We can, you don't have to go anywhere with this. Just start off slow. My name's Ivy. You want to read my bio? Go down below and you can ask me questions. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's sort of, uh, it, it's interesting to, uh, to talk about, like, I've, it's rare that we talk about movies and their, um, relationship to the world that they're depicting. Like it was, it's not like we had a real exorcist on when we talked about the exorcist. Um, so this is a, a little, uh, it, it's sort of a stranger in a podcast. I hope that we're, uh, that, that, that we're educating. We are Great. educating the masses. We certainly <laughs> are. Certainly are. Um, one thing that I, I I had a one last sort of discussion point that we could talk about, and then we'll sort of move on to final thoughts. Unless uh, Shayra, Ben, Ivy, unless you guys have another point that you sort of want to bring up and kind of talk about for a little bit, um, or I could just move on to my last little thing, and then we'll 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 wrap up. What do you guys think? Okay, I'm going to take that as a yes. Wait, uh, so wait. <laughs> yes. All right. So I just want to say about this film. That um, when we started out, it, it seemed kind of like quirky and happy. Um, and then there was this like suicide scene, right? And she went all horror show. I don't think that that kind of stuff is actually allowed. Um, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure though, like the faking of suicide stuff is not allowed. Um, and I know Ivy is probably going to be like, yeah, no, that's not allowed, right? No, not at all. <laughs> okay, yeah. So... Um, does that mean we can open up a market for cam girls that can fake <laughs> bloody scenes? I'm just saying maybe no. that could be a business idea. No? Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think snuff films is uh, what we need. Damn. All right. I guess we just have to do the deadly analysis horror movie. That's, that's, that's where we're yeah, going to have to we'll, go. We'll, we'll add in a snuff film scene in our script. Get, get to work on writing it then. Um, but yeah. I, so what is, I mean, okay. So that's a, but that is a fair question though, Ivy. What, um, obviously that's a line that was crossed in this film. What is that line? What is the, the, the line in which the most uh, extreme thing that you could see or do in a camp show? So you're not really supposed to show anything that could have blood. I remember I actually had a cut in my finger and I was just like, I was like, you guys, like I had this cut and they were like, and one of my mods. So a moderator is somebody will, who will actually, you will assign in your room that will help like block anybody for you. So she didn't have a mod. Well, I think Tinkerbell was supposed to be her mod, but they weren't because she was going through and blocking people with her own mouse and that would be exhausting. And so most people have a mod to help like already pre-block or block anybody who's spam or being an asshole or anything like that. So they'll clean up your room for you so you can just do your show. But they were even telling me like when I almost showed, they're like, no, don't because you can't show a drop of blood, they will ban you. See, that's one thing I know about Chatterbait is they're known to be fairly ban happy. So you can't do anything that has blood. 
Um, so that was very wrong. And I don't think that's like that for really any cam show. And the same thing goes with like, you can't show like old pictures of yourself like a kid. Can't show anything that would represent anybody younger than age 18. So you're not allowed to have any of that. So if a kid were to walk into your room randomly, you got to turn off your camera because that could be bad for you. Um, just because they want to be, they're very, they're trying to be very censored to that degree. Um, but there's not really much you have to really worry about. I get people asking about bathroom stuff all the time. I say fuck no to that. So there's nothing like that that we would ever do to cross the line. Is it allowed uh, for you to go to the bathroom though? I don't know that it is. I haven't actually tried to research. Not that I'm into that thing. I'm just no. Curious. I know. <laughs> I personally, have never like I've had people ask me like, "Can you show me like, like, can you pee in your panties?" I'm like, "Can you know?" That's not a thing that we're doing on here. The first thing I was ever asked is, can you put on a diaper? And I was just like, no. So, but you can do like, it's weird. I think you can do things like age play, which I think for me kind of crosses a line. Um, and I don't think bodily functions are necessarily allowed, but people probably do find ways to sort of cross the line. So if she was showing that she wasn't really dead, if she was showing that that wasn't real blood, then maybe perhaps she was able to cross that line somehow. But it's something that a lot of people, especially if they truly value their job, are not really going to try to cross it, <clears throat> which might have been why she got a lot of followers because she was one of the only ones who was able to somehow find that weird loophole. But Plus, that's just messy. Why the fuck would you want to dirty your room up like that? Um, yeah, cool. Uh, so moving, there's one other thing that I wanted to talk about that I thought was interesting about uh, this film. And it talked about how um, she was tr constantly striving for a sense of authenticity. She was constantly striving for a sense of um, that she was just, real with with her room and with her with her followers and this is something that i think all of us can speak to because uh one of the things that animates youtube and these online um interactions with other people is a sense of manufactured authenticity uh a sense of that that the people watching um want to be sure that the person they're watching is really real and i think that that's one of the things that this character sort of struggled with uh as she was how to be authentic but also uh serve the the masters at play in the in the room and in her job and in her profession and how she's trying to cultivate this identity that's separate from hers i mean we did talk about identity quite a bit in the the meat of this podcast but i think this this idea of manufactured authenticity was really interesting to me and uh, i think that's pro lindsay ellis did a fantastic video about how youtube is the genre of manufactured authenticity and so I was wondering, like, what what were some of your reactions to that? Did you guys pick up on that as well, or what 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 did you think about that? Yeah, I, it, it's one of the things that I've always fought against. Um, I've been doing this since twenty eleven, um, 
I did, uh, what is it called? Uh, God damn it. I can't blog TV. <laughs> uh, that's, I really blew up on blog TV. Um, and I did a lot of activism on blog TV. And then I also did stuff on YouTube, obviously. Um, but I always fought to like be authentic. But when I did YouTube videos and I scripted stuff, I was a character. Um, I purposely, my main theme that I like to do on YouTube was I pretended to be this dumb valley girl who was asking questions about the Bible that are probably very philosophical, but I did it in a valley girl way to try to show that even someone who has the worst accent on the planet could possibly be philosophical. And in a way it was making fun of the fact that my roots are from California and um, that the accent has a certain persona attached to it. What's interesting is I met people in real life based off of the videos I made who thought that was actually who I was. And when I sat down and talked with them and, you know, drank wine with them and ate cheese with them, they were like, you are really brilliant. I thought you were an idiot. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like, fuck you. You know, it was almost like this, like, what? And they're like, well, you, you play this dumb, you know, dumb Valley girl character on a YouTube video. And I'm like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Like that's a character I played uh, in a YouTube video. What does that have to do with who I am? And then I realized, oh my fucking God, they think that's who I am. And, and then I start thinking of all the comedy movies I watch where there's someone playing a ridiculous character. And I'm like, Did, it, are there people walking around thinking that's who Adam Sandler actually is? Or that's who Chris Farley actually is, or that's who Mike Myers actually is. Like that's crazy to me. Um, so, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on who's watching too. Like, who are you? Who are we? What are we leaving out there? Well, something that's unique to YouTube is just this idea that the person talking is being authentic and being genuine. Like when we go to see an Adam Sandler movie, I think we know that he's putting on a character. Well, maybe not Adam Sandler's putting on a character, but Daniel Day-Lewis is putting out a character. Or other other actors are putting out a character. Um, and uh, But in YouTube and I suspect camming as well, the idea is that we the person on the other end of the screen is being genuine and authentic and that is who they are so i'm actually not surprised that somebody thought that the character you played on youtube was really you because i think it's a it's a a, a symptom of this genre and of this medium that on youtube we expect the person on the other end to be the person on the other end and it's not the same genre convention that we have for film and television and other and stage etc cetera, etc cetera. nobody ever walks up to Laurence olivier and say and says oh so i thought you killed yourself in denmark that that one time um that, that's the type of i but it's it's but if he had done that as part of his cam show uh then there there would sort of be a different expectation there um it seems that that was one of the things that this film was was trying to get at ben do you want to jump in on manufactured authenticity or yeah i mean there were there was something that i was kind of um thinking about i was i was sort of wanting to save it um 
I think a little bit for my final thought, but yeah, like, I mean, I, I do think that that's, that that's not terribly surprising at all. Um, primarily because I think, like you said, Jim, like YouTube's a little bit different, right? And so I know that some people, whenever they jump on a camera, what they do is going to be highly manufactured. They're going to have a script. They're going to have this character. They're going to like put something into the production, but other times they're just going to get on and be themselves. And that's actually sort of who they are. And I think in, in our case, like in, in this podcast, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think in my interactions with any of you outside of this, that any of you have been like really any different and neither have I. Um, but I know like other YouTubers and stuff. So I, for, for instance, a while back, there was one guy that we wanted to get on, um, because of like personal connections and friendships to do a, a show. I think we were going to do like, um, some, some zombie movie. No, it was a cannibal movie, um, ravenous. And it was kind of weird because I was actually sort of a fan of this guy's work on YouTube, but that gets a little bit awkward, right? Because it's like my perception of this person is because of their videos that are like highly scripted. And I, I think I like this person, but it's mostly because of the work that I've seen them do. And so that can be kind of like a little bit of a clash, I think, whenever you go to actually meet that person. And so I think that there's kind of like a necessary barrier that a lot of people put up that they don't want to have like friendships or develop, try to develop friendships with fans because of that expectation that's already there. And that's just going to lead to disappointment because in a lot of cases, and in, in particular that case, from what I understand, this person is not that in real life you know i mean when somebody comes on camera maybe they're extremely gregarious maybe they have certain political views that they put out there because it's how they make money <laughs> and then you have that expectation but then you go to them in real life and they might be totally different and what this goes back to actually also is um a while back there was a video that blair white did and like obviously as everyone knows blair white is famous for being uh trans but also like highly conservative um, and she did a video talking about how her interactions with other conservative sort of like pundits for the new media um, have totally opposite views in real life that they put forward in their content. You know what I mean? So it's like this, it's total, it's totally fake. And it's not even just the personality at that point. Like you're literally selling a political viewpoint um, and that has like bigger implications, but they're primarily doing it for the money. And yeah, I mean, it's totally fake. And even for her, that became incredibly disappointing because even if she's coming at it, perhaps from a very honest perspective, finding out the truth that all of this is totally manufactured for these other content creators, you know, it hits you pretty hard and it can be quite disillusioning. Um, but I mean, that really just depends on the type of content that's being created as well, I suppose. Sure. Do you want to go ahead and roll that into your final thoughts? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess that uh, what that was really going to tie into, right? So it's like, you know, we have this this content creator here. And from my perspective of the movie, it was somebody who became very um, conflicted about the the personality that they put out, right? Like maybe internally they had changed. They, they had violated what they held to be important they they violated their values and so that's where that kind of like struggle came from and i really do think that it's supposed to be a, analogous for that maybe not but that's kind of like the way i took it um but i think that does directly tie back into this idea that we're talking about about manufactured authenticity right because you've invented this persona it's not even it's not even to the extent it's it's way beyond what we actually do in our normal lives, obviously. And I, I want to make that distinction too, because I think that's that's true for everybody. It's not something that is unique to actors or to to uh, people on the internet who make content. We all have these personalities that we put forward in, in different social contexts to our friends, to our family, um, you know, to acquaintances at work. And that perception that they have of us 
that's a real version of us. You know I mean? Like that's, that's, we're really putting that out there. They have those memories whenever they think about Ben, you know, me, that's the person they're going to think of is like all the impressions that I've given, given them in those interactions that were defined by that social context. And so there are lots of different versions of me floating out there. But I think, yeah, like obviously in, in a world where you're selling a personality like that, or you're selling ideas and that becomes your livelihood, it takes it to a whole other degree. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's something that you, you probably, I don't know, like, I mean, it can really damage a person's psyche, I think, um, whenever that goes far enough or you change enough away from that personality that it just represents nothing about who you really are. And it can, it can be a lot of work to try and maintain that. Um, and I think that represents a lot of the reality of being like a person on YouTube, for instance, and what something that you hear a lot about is like burnout, right? So a lot of YouTubers have these videos about creator like burnout or YouTuber burnout because they make these videos at a regular cadence. They force themselves to do a particular type of content. They don't stray away from that. They found a niche. They found a way to get views and to make their living. And that's, that's what they just, they just keep hitting that note over and over and over again for a very long time, very consistently and put a lot of effort into it, but it drains you and it becomes so hard to make yourself do this. And they end up hating it um, because it's not really what they want to do. They're not being honest and true to themselves. Um, and so, I mean, in a, in a lesser scale, I think that's kind of like a microcosm or like a real world example of some of the stuff that we're seeing in this film where, you know, we have this creator of content who is doing things perhaps that go against what she really feels like she should be doing. And so that conflict then creates this, this turmoil, this inner demon. She sees this person on this website. She can look up her own videos, but it's kind of alien to her. Now she's distanced from that identity and it becomes quite hostile for her. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, yeah. So I, I think there's an incredible amount of realism um, and that's one of the reasons that I think I'm going to give this a, a pretty high score because like, not only is it more interesting than what you might be led to believe just by the title, you know, there are a lot of really interesting commentaries sort of threaded throughout the story here, but it's not just, it's not just some kind of like made up weird supernatural thing. It really has roots in the real experiences of people who have public personas. Um, so anyway, just to tie this back to a score, I guess, not, not to drone on too long, um, I think I'm probably going to have to give this a three out of five. And the reason that it's not going to be higher is because while the content and like the ideas in the movie are incredibly interesting to me, um, you know, I don't think it's something that we haven't really talked about the way this film was shot. Like, I guess that's not really the main point for this movie, but you know, it's not like it was shot in such a way that I would find it like that element of the movie, like incredibly artistic. You know, I, I didn't have any like notable points while I was watching this where I was like, man, like that music really helped to elevate the scene to a new, new height. You know, obviously some of the, the sets were really interesting. The, the colors were really interesting, but I think that was just tied more back to like the environments in which people were doing their acts. Right. Um, it wasn't the film itself that was shot in like this, this incredibly revolutionary way. So um, that's kind of like a high bar to set, but I, you know, I do think there's a lot of substance here. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely just going to have to leave this at a solid three out of five. I'll go next. <laughs> Why not? Um, so I've been a public persona now for about seven years, I guess. I don't, I don't know, maybe longer. I don't know. Um, and I met my husband, who was also a public persona. And um, I don't know. We watched this movie together, and there was times where it struck us as fucked up. Um, just because of that. Um, 
it does understand what we have to go through. It, it totally hits those notes. Obviously, the person who wrote this understands what we go through um, and understands the problems of our persona versus our real us. Um, obviously, Daniel, we're a, Daniel and I were a lot more punk rock in our personas. Uh, there was one point in time where Daniel got really upset at people disagreeing with him and saying they were going to come and kick his ass at his house. And he was like, here's my actual name. Here's my actual address. And he like said it on a video and he's like, come and fucking try me, bitch. And, and I was like, holy, holy shit, <laughs> like Daniel, oh my God, what are you doing? Um, uh, and so there's those moments where you kind of explode and you're like, just come at me. There's the final girl moment that, that happened for Daniel in this world. Um, and then he just kind of like cut himself off. He's, he's not even doing anything anymore. I obviously am still out here. Um, and I have not been as rebellious as Daniel <laughs> where I'm like, come and fight me. Um, but it, there's, there's things about this film that speaks to who I am as a person who I've been for years now, you know, like what I've not made a living as, cause like, honestly, there's no living doing this shit. Uh, but you know, <laughs> being a person that, that people, take out of context and, and misrepresent on a daily basis. Yes, I've been that. Um, so yeah, I, I, th I thought this film was very realistic and that speaks to me. Music, filming, yeah, no, there was, you're right, Ben, it was whatever, it, it, nothing exciting to write home about. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I thought this, I thought this was a cool film. The ending was a little, uh, I don't know what the fuck's happening. She's reinventing. Oh, my dog is reinventing himself by shaking <laughs> right now. <laughs> you guys heard Brody jingling. But, um, like, I, I don't know. Like, there's this, um, there's this part of me that's like, oh, there's realism to this. But then there's also a non-realism to it in that uh, someone filmed this in a way that wasn't it didn't feel realistic. I don't know. There was something that wasn't tangible for it for me. Uh, uh, so I feel bad. Radiant, not super high, but it's not super low either. And I didn't like the ending very much. Um, like, I get what you're saying, Ben, with the reinventing of yourself and all that stuff. But uh, I feel like it didn't answer questions about is this something, is she going to recreate herself as a blonde, a crooked nosed girl? And then uh, someone's going to recreate that. And then she's just going to have this like constant, is this going to be a, a, a sequel movie? <laughs> she has to keep fighting whatever persona gets created out of her new persona. Like, I don't know. It seems kind of ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go three out of five as well. Sorry. Um, but no, I, I thought it was, a, it was, it was a solid film to watch, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll, yeah, I mean, I, I can, I, I agree with you, Ben, um, in the sense of when you're talking about the, uh, the, the filmmaking and the, the style of the film, 
Um, I actually find that our conversation was more interesting and more exciting and more of a insight into the cam world than the film was. Uh, and that's in no small part due to our, our guest, Ivy. Thank you. Uh, but I, I, when I evaluate this film, I'm evaluating it based upon story structure and how the film works as its own sort of um, artistic piece. And it seems to me that this was a poorly structured or awkwardly structured movie. It looked like they had two acts and they tried to fit it into a three act structure and it didn't fully fit. It was, you know, round peg in a square hole kind of uh kind of story structure. And and I'll base that on a couple conflicts that I don't think are fully resolved. We've already talked about the ending and how we weren't fully sure that that conflict had been resolved. We didn't really find out who was the mastermind behind the deep fake that ends up stealing her identity and stealing her views. Um, and I also, and I don't necessarily need that to be resolved in, like I need that to be resolved in a more uh, coherent and um, substantive way than it was. I'm okay with an open ending to a film, but I'm not okay with an open ending to a film that deliberately sets me up for a genre uh, film where there's a mystery and then we figure out the solution to the mystery by the end of the third act. And that's not what this film delivered. It set me up for that, and then it failed to stick the landing on that that story structure. Um, I also thought that her relationship with her family was underexplored. That seems to me to be a fundamental aspect of who this character is as a person, and a fundamental aspect of the conflict that's at the heart of this movie, and yet we get precious few scenes uh, with her interacting with her family and how this persona fits into her relationship with, with her family. I especially am interested in her relationship with her brother. Um, we get only three main plot events, three main scenes with that. And it's basically setting up their, them as having a good relationship. She gets outed and then her brother ignores her. Tell me more about like if if that had happened with one of uh, a person that I care about and there was a moment that that caused a a rift between me and a person that I care about, then I would try to fix that relationship. There would be more plot events. There would be more scenes. There would be me attempting to uh, alter my my ways of 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 healing that conflict. And we don't get to see that in this film. Um, and that it, that relationship is the central heart of this film if we're not going to do a mystery. If we're not going to do a mystery, then we need something else to hang our hats on. And it seemed to me that the relationship between her and her family was a thing that we could hang our hats on. And yet I found that to be not, not explored well enough. Um, so as a whole, and as this this sort of just evaluating this artistic piece, I can't necessarily recommend it. And so that means it sort of falls be below a three stars for me. Although I think it has its merits at a, at a whole, I'm going to give it a two stars out of five because it's not as a cohesive, um, as a cohesive story, it doesn't hold together. 
that said, there are a lot of interesting themes about identity, manufactured authenticity, quote unquote, slut shaming, and an intro into a world that I had not been exposed to before this film or before this conversation. Um, so, so that's my final thoughts. Ivy, why don't you close this out? What do you, uh, what do you think of this movie? Yeah, um, it was hard to not partly go biased because of the fact that I do have the same profession as the lead actress um, and a few of the other women in the film. Um, and so I did take that into account. And it sounds like we all sort of agree a little bit with some of the things that Ben said when it came to the um, sort of staying strong in who you are and, and kind of like dealing with sort of being burnt out in a way with uh, what she was doing. And I kind of, I can definitely see that and agree with that to that standpoint. I think with the film, I did like, I'm going to start with what I did like. I did like the fact that it was introducing this new sort of concept um, and introducing this industry in more than just sex because they didn't really focus on the sex part of it. It was something that was mentioned. You know, there was some nudity, but it wasn't focused on. It wasn't like scandalized. I think the only people who really did it were the people who misunderstood what was actually happening, like the cops, like the... Um, like even some of her viewers, whenever she went a little over the edge and that's when the slut shaming happened. And as far as her family goes, I think I, I felt like there wasn't enough of her personal life in general that was shown. And I felt like with the film that it was too short with all the ideas that they had going on with it, that they ended up leaving holes. And I, I wasn't a fan with about how like it seemed to stop the movie seemed to stop after she met like one of her like viewers tinker it was a tinker boy like she met him and then it just there was there wasn't really a an explanation of why she would hit her head on a desk like it didn't for me it didn't really translate how that works in that world um it didn't really seem to connect with the camming world very well you know, whether they were just voting for her more or not. Um, it just touched, it just had two different ideas and decided to end with one of them and not answer the other. And I didn't like it. Um, it was, um... <laughs> sorry, I was reading a comment, but um, it, it just, there were too many holes in the film for me to actually really recommend it in a serious manner. The only way that I would recommend recommend this film is because it did a good job with bringing up the, um, the camming world in general and how it can actually have an impact on your life more than just sex. So, um, and I also really liked the fact that the character themselves, they did set her up to not let fear get in the way in her being able to still do what it is that she loved and staying true to herself in some way or whatever that was. We just didn't really know who she was enough to really root for her. I didn't like her enough in the movie to really root for her. She wasn't that likable. She was. She just had a worried look on her face the entire time. Um, and so the, the movie itself, I don't think I would give a very high rating. Um, it's not something I would really go and watch in my spare time. 
it's something I'd watch mostly for the subject matter, which I totally understand why anybody else would. Um, and it's very accessible on Netflix. Um, but uh, I think with the with the rating, personally, I would go with a, about, uh, I would say maybe closer to the three out of five, personally, myself. I, I say the same as Ben and Shara. It's not totally horrible, but they didn't answer and they didn't make it as good as it could have been, in my opinion. Cool. So uh, the like my metric, you don't have to take my metric, please. You don't have to take my metric. But my metric is uh, three out of five is a recommend, and then a two out anything below a three is a non-recommend. So that's uh, and and once again, you don't have to take my my metric at all. But that's that's sort of how I I think of things. But Ivy, thank you so much for joining us for this. We really appreciate you uh, coming on and talking about the camming world and answering all of our uh all of my dumb ignorant questions um so i certainly appreciate that uh do you want to tell people where we we can find you on the internet and where tell us about your room and in your your site yeah absolutely i mean it's definitely if you want to uh if you if you feel comfortable enough to go on the site it's uh chatterbait.com you can look for me my name is ivy stevens if you feel like searching um but if you don't if you're like Ah, nudity or ah, porn site. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, uh, Poison Ivy League at Instagram. So those are the places you can find me so far. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for, and once again, thanks for, for coming on here. We really appreciate it. I think you added sort of a real authenticity. Since we're talking about manufactured authenticity, you've added an authenticity to our discussion of the movie. So we really appreciate that. Um, so join us next week when we will be talking about uh, Clockwork Orange. Uh, yes, we will be getting real droogs to uh, come on and talk to us. Uh, real people who have been uh, uh, um, mind controlled by the government. So we'll be sure to uh, to have those as our guests next week. Uh, Noah will once again be off next week, but I will... Fill in as your host once again. This is Shara's Pick, Clockwork Orange. Um, if you enjoyed this video, please give us a like, subscribe, share. Uh, check us out on social media. Uh, Noah will be absent from the Deadly Analysis Twitter handle uh, for the next couple weeks, but I will be active on my Twitter handle and we'll sort of keep you up to date on the upcoming schedules of our Deadly Analysis Roundtable discussions. Also, be sure to look for... We are going to have some more, uh, in, some more different content. Um, right now, we've got our shortcut series with uh, Ben giving us two-minute reviews of some horror films that may or may not continue. And we have definitely got another shortcuts series coming out later on this week as well, where uh, Ben and I do a, a quick sort of movie pitch, and you'll be getting to vote on which movie pitch you think is better, Ben's or mine, uh, as as those videos come out. So hope I uh, hope you enjoy those videos as well. Can um, I just throw out there? Yeah, go ahead. I know, I know you're doing your spiel, but I, I did sneak a peek at your guys' video. Yes. It's so okay. good. Okay. Motherfuckers, watch that shit. <laughs> watch that shit and vote on that shit. Uh, it's fucking good. Like, you guys, I'm serious. This, what's funny is, okay, right now, the reason why our views are kind of low is because of Game of Thrones, right? Right. And there's a bunch of people that are putting out this poll, and they're angry 
about how they hate Game of Thrones right now and they want a new Game of Thrones and they think they could write it better. And everyone's like, fuck the fans that think they could write it better. Motherfuckers, Ben and Jim will write it better. <laughs> they will fucking write it better and they will fucking show you how they will write it better. I don't know about Game of Thrones write it better, but other movies. So watch that shit. That's fucking interesting. I, I hate the you, fans can't write it better. You guys could probably write it better. Go yeah, go for shit. We do. How would we make a movie better? That's going to be our first uh, our first shortcut series coming out. Uh, we've got others as well that we're working on, and uh, those will be rolled out in the next few weeks as well. Thank you so much, Shayra. I'm glad you watched. Do season eight of Game of Thrones. I bet you guys could write it better. Oh, I, I, I don't know. Well, we is Game of Thrones a horror movie? If not, then or if it is, then we will be able to uh, this season to, uh, has been make pretty it better. Oh. <laughs> That'll be yeah. Watch the internet hate the shit out of even uh, out of everybody. Really, like that's nothing has inspired more internet hate than Game of Thrones, except for maybe Star Wars: The Last Jedi. So we we will see. But that sort of gets into different. Anyway, check us out uh, next week. Uh, we have Clockwork Orange, and we have a few other things coming out. I cannot wait for Clockwork Orange. It's something that nobody else has talked about, so we'll be the first. Um, so, uh, that's it. Thank you for joining us on the deadly analysis podcast. See you next week.